Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. What's happening this week, Mike? Hey, we just got a big announcement within the last 24 hours. I think the fans are going to like this one. Why don't you go ahead, Chris, and, and tell us what the news is? Yeah, so I saw I saw someone posted it. Oh, was it in our group, our group me chat with uh, our patrons? Yeah, it was And Mark. then I saw on Instagram, it was like, it was the deadline story. And it was Jack said, oh, interesting story. <laughs> and it was <laughs> season two of The Terminalist, as well as this other interesting wrinkle. Greenland is a prequel uh, series with the Taylor Kitsch, which Ben Edwards, are, you know, the bad guy we all liked and then hated. He gets his own prequel. What do you think of that? <laughs> that was a shock. I I love it. I think it's a great idea. And, and I think it's just a great signal that this universe, it, Amazon is committing to it. Because with all the talks of season two going so long, some of us were wondering, hey, did things hit a snag? Is everything going all right? And it turns out it's a complete opposite. They were also doing talks for a spinoff series. So it's great to see that they love this. They don't just want to do these stories. They want to expand the universe. And I think Ben Edwards is a great character to get into. He was really well-written in The Terminalist. On TV, Taylor Kitsch's performance was amazing. Yeah. And yep. it was always this, like, mystery. You know, that CIA guy. He was the spook. You wanted to know more about him. Yeah, I think, like, ultimately comes down to how well Kitsch performed him on screen. You know, yep. obviously they, they're like, there's something's here. If we can get him to come back, I think we can do something with that. Yeah, it's interesting to why, you know, everyone, it seems it took a while for them to come to agreement with the second season. I don't know if it coincided with, you know, all the craziness that's been going on with, you know, layoffs at Netflix and having to, you know, these different streamers having to suddenly pivot to, you know, they can't just be about growth. They have to be about making money. So they're they're launching these ad tiers. So pe everyone's sort of been pulling back on what they have to focus on. But Amazon is no different, even though, you know, Jeff Bezos has all the money in the world to do whatever he wants. <laughs> but I think realistically, they had to, you know, think about, all right, we have something here. Let's let's not rush into this. And I, I'm glad that they didn't rush into it. I, I'm glad, you know, we're not going to just get the second season you know, this year they're going to take their time. I'd, I'd rather them take their time. The second book is so special. I really, you know, we had, you have that amazing first series. I'm really intrigued to see what they can do with the second book. Oh, yeah. I mean, who knows if they're going to go season by season, matching up book for book. I, I would love to see all of True Believer in a season. I don't know how it translates to film, so I think... We got to trust the, the team, you know, because Jack is brought into the fold and Chris Pratt has such a, a heavy involvement in this with his production company. So I think we're, we're in good hands that however they do it, if they speed up True Believer, if they really focus on certain parts of it, if they move away from the Ukraine and the presidential assassination storyline, I think I'll be OK if they make some changes here. Uh, the same way I think most decisions in season one uh, turned out okay and were all right. There were a few that were questionable, but I, I think we're in good hands. And hearing how invested Chris Pratt is, 
that's another good signal. He even posted the clip uh, from the very end of the last episode with him and as James Reese on the boat with the map and plotting out his course. So I feel like it's Jack's surprise was awesome when he said, huh, interesting article. That was like wetting my whistle, seeing Chris Pratt posting about it, having the sailboat scene on his timeline, you know, just reminding people where the show left off. I think it's it's just beautiful. It's a great rollout. It's what we've been waiting for. Too bad, though, we couldn't talk about it with Tyler Moore because we had already recorded today's episode. But, you know, you know us. We'll get his thoughts eventually. We'll, we'll have him back. Yeah, for sure. Very excited about this. Yeah, and um, I hope you uh, enjoy part two of our talk with Tyler. You know, before we get there, though, there was something in part one that I had missed. Jumping the gun. <laughs> I just I just know you enjoy my limerick so much. I want to make sure you get it here, Chris. I want to make sure you have time to let it sink in and sit with it. Yeah, I forgot to do this on part one. So here we, And actually, for all my criticisms of the book, I think I wrote a pretty good limerick for this one. <laughs> there you go. There you I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit right there. <laughs> the president has a list for James Reese of terrorists whose lives must cease. A virus drives the plot. Is it respiratory or not? Justice for 9-11 or no peace. Uh, That's a good one, Mike. I like that, uh, is it respiratory or not line there. That's the question. You know, we got to remember to bring, before we get into our talk with Tyler, uh, we got to remember to bring in this idea of presidential transitions because, you know, I guess a little plug here for our other podcast, our sister podcast, uh, the Scott Harvath pod, where next month we're going to be doing The Apostle. That book is also going through a presidential transition. I think it might be a cool little bottle episode we could do to talk about. We've now, in the couple of different series that we've done, we've seen a couple of these. And to see how each author sort of tackles this idea of transfer of power, what ideals they like to institute with new presidents as they arise because in 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 now scott is dealing with a new president um reese is dealing with a new president he'll have to deal with another new president in 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 the next upcoming book you know so this is i, I don't know keep maybe uh, keep this in the back of your mind um when we're while we're reading the next book and, and as well as the new jack Carr novel that comes out that's a great thought because i just got to those scenes in the brad thor series in the apostle and so, yeah, that's season two of No Limits, the Scott Harvath podcast. And we're actually going to be getting a new president and an announcement very soon in the coming days, if it hasn't happened while you guys are listening, in the Mitch Rapp series. Right. So, guys, we are going to be active on the OG podcast, No Limits, the Mitch Rapp podcast, season one, giving you the breakdown of the title reveal. We're going to get the reveal of Rap book number 22, I think there's going to be a new president. We're kind of moving on from the Cooks. You know, I think the Cooks era is is waning. So, yeah, we, we get really got to keep track of these presidential transitions. And we can do it on the Mitch Rapp podcast, the Scott Harveth podcast, and now with James Reese. We'll see what happens. Lots more to come from the No Limits Thriller Pod. We have to talk about, like, the, the, the criminals here. And yeah. We, we got to talk about the bad guys in the sense of Ali and uh, Sebastian, as well as, you know, if you want to call them the villains, you know, Senator Thwaite and, Th- and Sawyer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I was kind of down on them a little bit because 
I've seen a version of this in a lot of Vince Flynn novels in terms of pitting both. You have the ideological villain in the terms of you, you have a big bad who is either Al-Qaeda, ISIS, some sort of Middle Eastern terrorist. And then you, you juxtapose them against an internal villain in the politicians. And like this was just like a, it was like a Vince Flynn light. Would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Light, 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 light. (laughs) I kind of, they didn't need to be there. No. You could have gotten rid of the whole um, Masada storyline and the Senator Thwaite. And I wanted to bring this up too. There's two scenes where we find out that Nazar Katan, our villain from the last novel, and, you know, who's going to be our villain in the next novel is on retainer for Masada yet I was just asking Mike this before you you hopped on um Tyler is Masada's not mentioned at all in in the blood no. is it nope yeah not, so that's that definitely something that Jack just dropped yeah and then to make both the last chapter which I know we're not there yet and the epilogue all about wrapping up loose ends they're loose ends that at this point in time I don't care too much about like yeah. Nizar Katan in the epilogue is great if you know in the blood. But so this book just in the last chapter wants to tease you for the next one when it had nothing to do with the rest of the story. Yeah. And we're going to go on a side plot at the very end to kill a random guy who was the mastermind of all this that we never heard about before. And the mastermind of 9-11, like, was, was that a MacGuffin of just like everything else going on? Why is that the culminating final scene of those two guys that Al Jafari yeah. And Nizarkatan when they had nothing to do with the other 80 plus chapters. Anyway, Mike's over there with a hole puncher poking holes in this story. <laughs> I'm going to take a break now. I need a break. Right, I need well, a timeout. I, let's talk let's, about the bad uh, guys real quick, Chris. I what did you guys think of Ali? Yeah, um, you said you like the bad guys. Tell okay, us. so like I like that the, the bad guys that are engineering the virus and everything that they are just, you know, there's nothing relatable or likable about them. That's their part and that's what they need to be. They, I hate whenever stories try and make characters like that a little, even a little relatable. I like the Senator and um, the private military guy. I cannot remember his name to save my life. Sawyer. Yes. Sawyer. Sawyer. I like, I like their banter back and forth. I really like Sawyer as a character for some reason. He, he is like a likable bad guy. Uh, I like his background and um, something else I really liked is the two, the two surveillance douchebags, that are following Reese <laughs> oh, around. They're funny they're comic relief. They're, they're yeah, so they're great. great. Th- those they're those great. two like deserve like their own sitcom because <laughs> that's so true. I'll give you that. The one guy. There's one line where Jack says, Woody. "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rub one out to this later." Yeah, like, yeah. Watching some James guy, like, shoot what the yeah. It's because fuck? it's because James was missing, and obviously he had like him and him and Katie had had combat with like this huge group of dudes in the back of this van, and James comes over the guardrail. And he sees the. Oh, dude we have to talk about it. that scene because that, yeah. that's probably like the best action scene. But yes, yeah. I, I agree. That scene is great. Um, yeah, he he sees the dude smoking the cigarette from like you know a couple like <laughs> I think know. it's fifty yards or something like that, and just puts him down. And then they're like, "Oh shit! He just he just took out the driver." Yeah, it was dirty. Yes, dirty. All right, so if we want to talk about that scene, that that is the destruction of the precious Land Cruiser. Yeah, so this book doesn't have doesn't have a whole lot of action. I guess there's the 
where he captures Ali in in Denver. There's that scene at the house, uh, which was kind of cool. There's, yeah. you know, where he gets run off the road. Um, R.I.P. There's where he gets, I guess, at the very end when the, you know Woody and the other guy get captured. But besides that, there's, and I guess if you want to, it, it's more suspenseful in terms of the scene at Fort Dietrich where they steal. Yeah, that's definitely suspense. I think I think the the Land Cruiser getting ran off the road and the the contact with the the group and the um, I'm sorry, it just escaped me. There there's just another part that I thought was a little bit action packed, but that's it. There's like two big like centerpiece action yeah. action sections. Um, oh, the, I'm sorry. The hazmat house fight is cool. The house fire is pretty cool. Yeah. At the lab. Yeah. That is really cool. Each book, if you, if you think about it, I can't remember the one in true believer, but like each book has like a, you know, a torture scene and each book has a hand to hand combat, uh, very fast paced, well-written fi- fighting scene. Like in uh, savage son, it's with the guy at the end that um, in, in the snow. Oh right, right, right. The bear. So, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, and then in um, in the next one after this, uh, in the blood, it's in the meat locker. The meat right. locker fight scenes. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah, though that that scene, you know, it, it kind of like comes out of nowhere, right? They're just was this after they went to the Italian restaurant, Mike, or this? No, this oh, is yeah, Landini's in Old Town. Yeah, is <laughs> is that a real place? It, it is. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little more touristy because it's all the way down towards the waterfront. It's like at the very end of King Street. But yeah, they've been there forever. Sorry, I've never they're been. not good enough for Mike. I, I think it's just one of those overpriced places. And, and you know I got fine taste here, Ty. You know yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, but it, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And then you're immediately like, put in the action, right? And we, we now cut to a couple different chapters where we're going through this. Like, all right, who the hell? At first, I thought it was Masada, the Masada crew taking them out. And then I quickly re- then they cut back to the, you know, this Woody and his other character, like, wait, what the fuck happens? They're like, all right, it's not them. So who is it now? And then they, they say they speak Farsi. So then you, you piece it together that someone with Iranian ties, um, cool descriptions of like, you know, obviously throughout the entire novel, he, he puts in different, um, trainings that he has to go through. So he talks about the training that he had, like on this helicopter where they flip the helicopter upside down down a helicopter cab upside down put it into water and, and taught him like how to how to get out yep, and then that's they a blindfolded real them and, and had had to do the same thing when you're blindfolded yep because what happens when it goes in the water at night obviously it's fucking badass when he kills you know the two guys with and then later on it describes you know he probably saw the cigarette and just pointed forwards yeah. to the to the left and, and and took him out and yeah so i love that he that he sh- you know so they go to that abandoned building and Katie, I think is hurt. Correct. And uh, right. she, I think she still helps out a little bit from what I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, she gets uh she gets her first kill, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that was another thing that they talk about is they're really advancing their self-preparedness and their training together with, uh, with Ox, I think. Right. You just found my uh, free space winner of the book. Ox trained Katie. <laughs> Ox. I wish we saw it. I would love a novella, a little short story of Ox training up Katie. I just, it saves them in that fight. Yeah, and, for sure. Oh, when they're when they're going one after the other, one covers, one runs, and next one covers, next one runs. Yeah, you know they're piggybacking, and Ox showed him that. I I thought that was so cool. Yeah, how they were working in the training for. Kate. Yeah, I like how he explains tactics that are that make sense and that that would definitely be used in those scenarios. But like, uh, it doesn't take up too much time. It's not boring. It's direct and to the point. You understand it. You can imagine it, and it works. So this scene. 
and people may disagree with me. This scene, I was picturing the first time I read it, I was picturing Katie Burnick as she's written. So this blonde newscaster, you know, chick, much like uh, Katie Pavlich or somebody. This time I read it, picturing Constance Wu in my mind, and it worked. I saw her out there in the field, shaking, trembling, getting her first kill. Yeah. You know, piggybacking, using Ox's training, training with Ox. And I pictured uh, Constance Wu and, and it worked as Katie for me. I know yeah. a lot of people feel like their relationship can't work the way she's been portrayed in the TV show. I, I think it can and I think it will. I, I think and, she'll And be. the scene was an example of that to yeah. me, at least. Yeah. I really like the hand-to-hand stuff. I know he uses the tomahawk in that, in that um, you know, abandoned building that they're in. And then I love the surveillance guys trying to basically figure out what the hell just happened. You know, yep. they, they know he got ran off the road. I, I think that, that he was out of sight when it happens, but they were watching the GPS tracker and they're like, he, he just ran off the road. And um, yeah. yeah, I love when James makes it back up to the road and just puts those two guys down, throws them in the back of their van that they came in yep, and exactly. goes back for Katie. And then they, uh, they make their way out of there. I think everything from the house fight scene with the hazmat stuff burning the lab that happened earlier did it not i i can't remember i feel like the house fight happened after after the land cruiser that's right that's right either way i think that chunk between those two scenes with those as like little bookends of action yeah was really good i think you know crimmins and woody following him him trying to track down uh all of the terrorists on the president's list you know because he's there to take him out Yet someone's getting to most of them first. Yeah, it's almost like cat and mouse for a little bit right there. It's exactly. Which yes. I think really the the real book that's described as cat and mouse is in, yes. in the blood, which I think there's a little bit of aspect from that in here. This like really brings in like stuff from True Believer. Yes, now, there isn't really too much Savage Son stuff in here, but definitely what eventually becomes in the blood is in here with cat and mouse chasing. And uh, I know that <clears throat> some people, I think. The guy that was getting to them first recognized the, the Land Cruiser at two of his stops, I think, from exactly. what I recall. Yep. And that's when I think they go hand to hand while while he's burning down the house. So as negative as I've been, you guys have been really, really helpful reminding <laughs> me of these highlights because just think about this pacing, right? If I, if I put my balance issues aside, if we open up with the 9-11 stuff so we get to know Christensen's motivations, then we go to the lie detector test where we see Reese for the first time. And then we see the terrorist trying out the spray in Angola. So like, Oh crap, you know, they're going to use that on us essentially. Yeah. And then we see the president giving Reese's list, giving him the executive order. That's allowing him to assassinate these people to, to, for, you know, retribution for nine 11 Reese is checking off that list, but He's being tracked, and it's this cat and mouse with the terrorists also trying to tie up their loose ends by killing off people who were connected to 9-11. Yeah. And that kind of pacing was the whole story and the plot. It would have been really cool. Yeah. I feel like you really, you guys really brought out some of the highlights for me, and we didn't even mention- Chris, while you were gone, Mike says he loves this book now. It, it's my I, I heard book. it the whole time. It's, <laughs> it's my favorite thriller, actually. Um, but, but then you combine that with, or you top that off with, the scene where they're deploying- the units to quarantine these cities. I don't know how you work that in. Right. So it's like, I almost feel like there were two stories going on here. Each could have been better or well-served on their own. Yeah. It's just that they got jumbled together. Cause if you tell both of those two stories separately, they're both really, really cool. Yeah. So what did you think of the dynamic 
of right right after the the cool action scene with the car crash we leave katie we don't see katie really until the end of the novel right and instead reese has you know this Haley character who is conveniently katie's best friend works for the cdc again we already we tabbed into all the coincidence nonsense but you know he begins to have this dynamic with her like what did what did you buy that they would become you know this force that would would go together she obviously jack puts in these you know, she has like a problem in the beginning with you know his interrogation tactics and his interrogation tactics in this book are awesome <laughs> they're so good the what was the sodium no um succinol what was that? Uh, I've never heard of that substance before. I, meant to I was it very glad it wasn't pentothal or whatever the truth serum is. I thought I at thought first we it was going to be truth way. serum. Yeah, yeah, I was like, no, 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 no. Please don't pull that one out again like everyone does. So yeah, whatever it was, I think worked better. Oh, succinylcholine. Yes. Yeah, it's a depolarizing skeletal muscle relaxant. That was kind of cool where he was like frozen and he could feel here and, and recognize everything being done to him, but no reaction. I like how he he couldn't even breathe on his own. So they were literally yep. controlling with the breathing bag. Yeah. I like and then the he take it away from him. Here. Yep. Yeah. yeah I like Did you buy scene. the, the Haley James Reese interaction story? Um, I think so. I think like she just thought he was like the brute and, you know, ridiculous in his in, in like what he's willing to do to get to where they need to be. Yes. Um, and then there's there's a certain point where like maybe early on James is doing something and she would have been like against it. And then there's they get to a point eventually where she's on board. She realizes right. what's at stake and she she's in. And once she's in, I think it's a good dynamic. It, I like that there's no no romance stuff because he wrote those characters for like that for a reason. She's married and he has he has Katie. And so it, it seemed more like a sibling thing almost eventually. Um, but it took a while for her to get on board, which I liked her reservations about how violent he was being with, with people. I think that was one of the better scenes of the book too, where I was a little torn off. I was a little put off when Katie was going through the science stuff and I have this theory and run it by the president and, and you know, maybe we can hold off the attack. But I did like how her medical background and her journalistic background, she had to go in with him into the red zone, into the containment zone, fully yeah. kitted up, find this guy. She was horrified by what Reese was saying to get the information out of this dude. He was going deep into the religion stuff, you know, yeah, like, great. you're not going to be with virgins after I'm done with you, you know, in heaven and all this. He was really laying it on thick. Yeah. He said he was going to burn he, him and burn burn his burn his family. Right. And they're not even going to give him a proper cremation, you know, yep. uh, according to the rituals. And, and the fact that we could be a Haley, right? Like that's an she was an analog for the general audience, the general, yeah. you know, public seeing what we had to do to win the war on terror or seeing the lengths we have to go to to achieve the objective and secure our, you know, freedom and protect the home front. And we're horrified by it at first, right? Like Abu Ghraib and all this stuff, like we're horrified by it. But then slowly we realize why sometimes we have to do what we have to do. Not in that case in Iraq, but in the war and terror on general. And so like the way Haley was transformed, I think mimicked the way a lot of us, you know, lay people would, would come around to what has to be done by the, the operators and the professionals. When at yeah. first it sounds horrifying, but when you realize who we're doing it to and why we're doing it to them, 
you realize it's an, it's maybe a necessary evil in some way. So you're saying you would drop the bombs on the cities? <laughs> I'm sure we, we never, no one ever answered that question. Uh, you don't have to answer that question. It's, <laughs> it's a, I hope you, no one ever has to, to has to make that, that decision. You know, no president, no, no one on this podcast ever has to make that decision. So, yep, I agree. So, what really bothered me was the fact that her husband was the guy from <laughs> chapter or four. the researcher. <laughs> Was the guy from Chapter Four, and that they have to now go steal this monkey, monkey's blood, and you know, the security there is so lax. Like, I, I don't know. Again, this is whole suspension of disbelief thing. It just that's that's when we're getting to the part of the story yeah. where it lost me. You just got to be along for the ride and accept it sometimes. But I like, yeah. um, I do like when they go to him and he has the nineteen eleven, I think, and tries to basically turn Reese in, and he makes the phone call i like i like the the leverage and the phone call that he has with his new his new friend president's on hold for you yeah yeah i like i like that one um so I, chris you might remember i couldn't remember the order of things i think the the car accident and action piece happens first and then after that james leaves katie behind and they he goes with the cdc chick and then from there they go to the interrogation and then from there they go to the hazmat house fight right is that the order no, they go to the interrogation um, with the Zeb guy, and they find out. That's where they find out. All right, there's there's another guy, and is it like? Because remember, so the reason James is in this to begin with, right, is because the president gave him a kill list, and yeah. so he was going to all these places, right? And at the same time, Ali was going to all these places. Remember, he snapped the pictures of Ali, yes, and so he shows them to that yeah. to, to the Sebastian guy. Yeah, so again, I it's, I just read this book and I'm I'm having a hard time remembering. Yeah, I I also just listened to it again for the fourth or fifth time. So I think that's a, a downfall of the the changes here from his other books in that it is very long chapters and it's heavily front loaded with backstories of so yeah. many different people. That's very Flynnian, right? Like to do that to build up a backstory of a character really, really take you through their motivations, their childhood and whatnot. But once you start doing that for six, seven, eight characters, other things get lost. And unfortunately, you know, as we're seeing different plot details, which could be really cool, just are harder to stick with when we're getting an information overload, if you will. Like, I yeah. honestly can't tell you where they go. And maybe you guys fill this in for me after they interrogate the guy in the hazmat suits inside what is it uh is it it's the it's dallas right it's outside no, dallas it's in Den they're in denver there so that that's they're that's in denver because the he's, he's the grad student in denver and then they immediately go to his house but the problem is, is there's a couple chapters in between no, not I house one. that's not what i'm thinking like, yeah no that's where they go it, it, it's the guy <sighs> that's where they go and break through the containment zone that's all before the house stuff yeah exactly it is Oh jeez. Okay. <laughs> the problem is, is there's a couple chapters where I think we go up to the senator at one point. We might even go up to Woody and and uh, the other guy, and then we actually go to the house scene with Ali, and he's there. He gets a knock on the door, and it's the cop. And then then we cut back yeah. to James and Haley showing up, and then that's when we get yeah. you know the they, other they go outside the, and the, the cop's dead. We get the other good action fight, the hand to hand combat. 
in the hazmat suit gets burnt you know the the fire's raging like that was really cool and then after that they have to like sort of save his life as they drive they steal an ambulance and, and, and drive him to the airport in order to try to bring him back. Uh, they ultimately don't bring him back, but they do bring back the information of, about that it's Marburg and that that's why they need to go. Yeah. Now. And that's the when the president talks to the public and basically says it's over, right? No, that that's, that's not until after they actually go to the Fort Detrick thing. Cause they need confirmation. The whole thing yeah. is that they, mm-hmm. they, they want to compare. The samples. Yeah, because his right. That's right. Ali during his interrogation, he sort of sows the seed of this is a, a forced confession. Am I just telling you this? You know, yeah, it's Marburg, or yeah, we did this. Yeah, it's only aerosolized. Are, are people going to believe? He even says it on the recording. No one's going to believe this. And so, the only thing they can think of is, all right, we have a sample of this virus from Angola but we need the original strain from, from Russia. Right. And I think I know where that is. My husband has it in his back locker <laughs> at his job. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think all of this should be clearer for three relatively intelligent adults who some smarter than others, who we got the doctor here <laughs> who just finished this book within the last 24 to 48 hours. Yes. Like the fact that it's getting jumbled, I think speaks to me, you know, like how many books have we covered Chris that we remembered much more crystal clearly than this one. And, and I have notes here and I got all my stuff yeah. and still I'm like, this doesn't really fit and jive and work and flow as a plot. So I think that means something is all I'm saying. It's, it's a little clunky. I'll give you that. I'll give it. It's yeah. A little clunky. I, I agree with you on that one, but it's, but it's got a nice, I, there's, parts of it that i enjoy and that's yes. like there's part there's there's a story here maybe it's just a little bit half-baked there's like three that, stories here there's like three yeah, <laughs> maybe there's too many stories too many yeah, stories yeah you know because i don't even we're on a beach with with sawyer right like they just fly the coop and they're on some beach somewhere i really like what? that part though that's something yeah, i enjoyed because they would they would they would piece the hell out like immediately you're right they would get the fuck out of there I think maybe we saw that with the Mitrap series a little too much. I don't know. Maybe that's what, what's grinding my gears is like there was always a corrupt senator who had his cronies. And then when shit hits the fan, he flies to an island and then Mitrap shows up and kills him. You know, so do you think, Chris, that's that's a, a trope or am I off with that? No, it definitely is. I think we've seen it in not only we've seen it in Brad, uh, we've seen it uh, with uh, Chris Howdy. You know, like it's it's a thing. So I did like muscles though, when he takes out the like Masada guys who are supposed to be protecting them all, he doesn't take them out, but he takes them out of the game by convincing them, you know, I just want your boss. I got nothing to do with you. Do you really want to protect this scumbag? You know, you, you guys are operators. You have families like, just let me through. I'm going to go take care of this guy. Your boss is a douche and we'll call it a day. He does zip tie them up, I think. But they essentially realize, yeah, we don't want to risk our lives defending these people. Yeah, I like the I like the bar and island scenes and stuff with Ox there, and they're you know taking care of of business there. Yeah, and, and then what's the final? Where how do we go from that cleaning up? And plus, between Sawyer and Thwaite, are any of them really good kills? I feel like none of the final three or four kills. Even that final terrorist, I can't remember the exact name and where I think he was in Iran when Reese sneaks up using the, you know, the floating pack and he comes onto the beach. I feel like none of those kills were all that memorable. Did any of them 
for you rise to the level of a typical James Reese, just badass kill? They kind of are easy ones to forget. Uh, I kind of agree. The one, the one at the end with, with him on the boat and he has the AK. I like that one. And, but other than that, everything is pretty passive. Like all the guys after the car accident are cool. Like there's a couple in there that, that are neat where I can't remember if he needs to reload or he loses his gun and he gets the tomahawk out and yep. goes to work. I like, I like that stuff, but yeah, there's, um, there's not a real whole lot of like highlighting stuff, which isn't a bad thing because for how, how many times have we said like, we think Jack comes up with kills and then like creates characters to justify them. True. That's true. true. That's true. True. We can't yeah, have it both ways. But now, but now we're, we're, we're yearning for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's when you've built such a tone or, uh, you know, a subset of the genre that's so uniquely you. And then you yeah. gravitate away from that. I think it's a double edged sword, right? Like try new things, expand, branch out. But when they don't land as hard, it's like, why didn't you just do what's in your wheelhouse? You know, yeah. so I get that I, I can't have my cake and eat it, too. It's, it's not all and bad. I mean, the next it's not like the next book was this this more of this. The next book is no, great. The, the next book no, is yeah. definitely yeah. like a turn back to what we were used to. Yeah, right. You know, I, I'd say in the blood is probably the weaker of the first three. But, um, you know, like we, I personally would put it, I th I know Ty Tyler, you're, you're, I mean, we can, we can go back into this at, yeah. at the very end, but you were higher on in the blood than true believer, but in the blood is definitely better than devil's hand. For yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. Devil's hands I, I at the bottom of everybody's list, I think. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What do you say on that note? We jump into the scorecard then and, and wrap things up with our thoughts and save some time for the cover discussion at the very end. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We, we kind of been hashing it out, but Tyler, action and plot. You got 10 points apiece for action and plot. What are you going with? Um, I'm going with, uh, I think I'm going to go with like, so there's, we, we talked about two really good action set pieces that work really well, but like, this is not an action heavy book at all. So that means like it should be a plot heavy book, which is also, a little bit of a of a spaghetti plate. So for me, I think I got to go like, I don't know, like a six or a seven for both. Honestly, okay. yeah, you're 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 riding along with me. I I gotta go, I gotta go six, and I might go seven for plot because I like the some aspects of the first half of it. But yeah, maybe six and a half, like six point five, because it, it, some of the stuff at the very end with the plausible or you know suspension of disbelief stuff just had me going or maybe i don't ding it there i, I ding it more in buy-in and sort of if we jump to buy-in i give it a two for buy-in yeah i'm with the you believability there. of it is you know one the fact that the president would have this years-long revenge story that culminates with just so happens that the <laughs> these exact people that are on his list are going to be the ones to take out this attack. Yeah, that's another thing that's a little too convenient is the people on his list, like their boss is, is cutting all the loose ends 20 right, years, 20 right. years later. Right. Wasn't that just too cookie cutter? It was Why too at cutter. that time. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. So I think, yeah, I got to agree. Buy-in is, is the weak, is the weak link here yep. for me. All right. I, I went five and five on action and plot. A two on buying. I think I'm I'm gonna bump the action after what we talked about the ravine scene. A couple of kills there, the fight in the house in the hazmat suits or with the with the PPE, 
and even going in in that final interrogation, you know, behind the barriers w- was pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm go to six on action, but two on buy in with y'all. How about the bad guys and the good guys? These are five points a pop. Um, I'm at like a, I'm at like a three for bad guys, and there really weren't too many awesome good guys in here. Like that, that at least play big roles in the other books. You'd have to say like, all right, what did you think of Haley? What did you think of yeah. her husband? What did you think of yeah, like, so like the little characters in terms of like the doctor was was a cool yeah, the guy. doctor was cool. He he saves like those side characters for me. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'll go with like a three for bad guys, four for good guys. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, three for the bad guys. The you know Ali and Sebastian were interesting. Um. Uh, Senator and Sawyer were, you know, Vince Flynn, light, light, as Mike would say. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, the other kills at the end, you know, just we didn't have enough time to spend with them. And also, like, the, I didn't really care about the, the people on on the president's list that James was killing at the beginning. You know, yeah. even though we, we got really long backstories on, like, the first, like, three people on that list, right? Yeah. So, and then for good guys... You know, I guess a three and a half. That doctor sort of saves it. He's probably like going to be my free space. Like that, uh, no, that, <laughs> that chapter really stood out. I was glad you brought that up, Tyler. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Every time I listen, every time I listen, that, that chapter is like my favorite one. I actually think he's in two chapters. I think like there's an introduction to him and he gets called in and it ends right. with him, right. with, with them saying that's the last time he he's going to look at his wife. And then you revisit him later once he gets there and he starts to realize that containment is about to happen because he can't make phone calls. And he right. sh- you just get the sense the that uh, that's really what how it would be like. Yeah. You know? like yeah. That's super uh, hyper realistic. And when yeah. his, his military side comes out on the floor and he's barking orders at everyone like that dude just took control at a time when they needed somebody to take control. Yep. And he did it. Pretty good character. I like his backstory, too, from what I recall. He uh, he has a Porsche 911, which is he gets oh, right, points for right. that. <laughs> and You're our because guy. you're our weapons guy, our vehicle guy. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, but he likes the Porsche 911 because that's what Steve McQueen drives in uh, Le Mans, which he says in the book that he saw that movie with his dad at the cinema, which is, nice. is cool. Oh, that's, that's a good cool. movie. That is a good movie. Although speaking of the tech specs, you didn't give us. Too many of the tech specs tonight. I think again, talking about, you know, if Jack's trying something different, I, I think again that, that that's not here. It's, it's yeah, there's not that many to give. Like the the, ta- the tactics are really cool, especially um, the stuff that Ox taught Katie and, and James. And I really like the use of those tactics in the ravine fight, and you know, move to cut, co- move, move, cover, move, and and things like that, and and you know, um, stacking up and, and and stuff like that, but. Yeah, the, as far as like tech specs, like there's not really other than the badass 911 and the Land Cruiser that gets trashed. Unfortunately, there aren't that many vehicles or like planes any or anything this time, which is a little bit of a good break. Like I always feel like James needs the globe trot. He's always got a pilot and a plane at free use anytime. Right. So um, that's a little bit of a welcome change. But yeah, there's there wasn't that many tech specs to give for for some stuff so 
though coming off the bow stuff in Savage Sun, it's just a little bit like, yeah, I want that back, you know, but yeah. um, I want the Hastings back. You know, I think because of all that, I was a little lower on the bad guys out of two and the yeah. good guys out of three. Love some of the things we're talking about, but they just weren't present enough. The good stuff. And it got bogged down by some of the stuff that didn't hit. So I wasn't a big fan of the villains. I'm going to change my tune here on setting, though. Don't know if this is one of Jack's strengths usually, but I think he upped the game here in a couple of ways. The Fort Dietrich stuff, which, Chris, hearing from you that it's really accurate, how you move through the building, don the suits, and, and go into the research lab. I really felt like in the lab at Dietrich, I was there. I was taken into it. Then the ravine fight and hiding out in that that safe house where he he was bandaging up Katie. I thought it was really cool. And then in like the suburbs at the house, I felt like a couple of the scenes, while not these worldwide, were going around the globe to these amazing like Italian job kind of picturesque places and fighting in them. I thought to bring it home and go on the U.S. and what if the U.S. became a battleground, I thought it was really well done. So I went four out of five on setting. Well, I would I would agree with you that I think he does a good job, even like, you know, describing how we would take over a, a country club, you know, golf course and set right. up these tents and like these little nuanced things of like what settings would look like during a post post apocalyptic slash, you know, epidemic pandemic type situation was in even like. When they're driving around, he describes how it's it's quiet, you know, like no one's out walking. And I don't know if you guys felt this during COVID, but it was creepy, like being up in Ithaca, yeah. no one on the streets, you know, like very manipulable people. Then I just remembered back to that time, and like this would be even more extensive because there would be even less people out on the streets. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you, Mike, you know, I'll give it a four. Why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you guys there. Four for setting. I forgot about the golf course being taken over. That was really cool. Yeah. All right. Let's uh do we do free space and then covers? Let's give our free spaces. Yeah. So what's your five out of five here, Tyler? Uh free space goes to the surveillance team. Yes. Uh the comic <laughs> relief. Yes, absolutely. That was good. They're was uh, good. they're they're awesome. I love their dialogue throughout and is like we're getting to know these guys and they're kinda likable together and i just they were like just a pair i was hoping james didn't have to kill but uh didn't it didn't end up that way but i liked all their comments especially when he starts putting people down uh from the ravine fight chris i'm gonna have to go to the president you know being <laughs> that we uh we don't get much of him anymore and he's he's gonna be taken out at the end of the next novel this is my only chance to, to give him my free space so I don't know. Even though, like, I know, I know it was a negative for you, Mike. The fact that he's like potentially let's just, never. Let's just say Mike's not voting for him. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Uh, I, I want to give it to the president. I'd vote for him as president for sure. You just don't think that he would ever exist. <laughs> I would take Alexander or Danny Daniels any day over this. But yeah, uh, true. I take Alexander over this. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned Ox. I loved how he came back uh, just a little bit at the end. But I got to say that first scene, the interrogation scene, not not the 9-11 stuff in the prologue, but the first chapter, the interrogation scene, oh, meeting yeah. Reese, being back with Reese. I thought it was so well written. And again, I, I try to pull out pieces of these books that I think are standalone, really good pieces of prose. And I think that one is the best in this book in terms of 
not written for a thriller novel, but just written fiction. Yeah. And literature. I think that one chapter stands out. Yeah, I, I agree. That first chapter is, is solid with him trying to do the intake process with, for the CIA. Yep. Yep. Really good. I could also give my free space to Ray Porter. I think oh, he yeah. does it on this book. He yeah, like kind of saves great. it a little bit Dude, for me too. He's the perennial free space. He's a 50 out of 50 <laughs> on the scorecard any day. So wonder if you guys could get him on for as a guest. You Ooh, know that'd what? be cool. That'd, that'd be, be a good really one. Cool. Yeah. I think he's a little more of a celebrity, if you will, than George Goodell. Like George Goodell's like this he he's like the king of audiobooks mm-hmm. and narration, but he's like this old timey, old school guy. He didn't even have a media person. He's like, yeah. just email me. I feel like Ray Porter is, is a little too big right now in eh, terms of fame. You never know. Um it's worth reaching out, I think. Yeah. I know yeah, yeah. his biggest thing he's worked on was uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. He he played Dark Side in that, but um Right, right. Yeah, I think we'll it would see. be at least worth reaching out. I mean, I you guys would be surprised at how many people I reach out to on social media that, that hit me back and we have like long term conversations. Um yeah. it's pretty surprising. Yeah, you're right. Uh, probably as an agent. Yeah, we could probably get into it. That's a that's a good suggestion. He was in Argo. Interesting. Was he really? I know he has a, he's won awards for a few years for audiobooks. He's a, the new king of audiobooks. Yeah, does he read any other series you guys you guys are into that I haven't been been into yet? The only one and I've recommended it to you before that I've heard him do is the Sons of Valor series yeah, yeah, by I Andrews and Wilson. Need to pick that up still. Dude, it's only two books so it, it's easy to to get into right now but it's killer and he's really good there too. So Night of the Living Dead anthology. Ooh. Project Hail. I'm just looking up like his Project Hail Mary. Oh, he did Project Hail Mary, huh? Oh, that's that's Andy Weir. Okay. That's Andy Weir. Yeah, from what's the other one? Uh, The Martian. The Martian. Yeah, I got to read. That. I didn't know Ray Porter did that one. That's big. Yeah, we'll try to get him. Todd, it's a good suggestion. Yeah, no problem. Be a good catch. Our cover time. This is my last last going negative. I'm just gonna say it. I'll let you guys talk. One out of five. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, oh, man. Mike, like. is, this bo- is this book on your shelf or did you burn it after you read it? <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry, Jack, you sent me an arc. I really enjoyed the arc when it was coming out. Uh, you know, we we were pushing for I, I didn't say much too much after I had read it. Just, you know, uh, we had some really good conversations with you. Glad you came on. You're probably never going to listen to this anyway. <laughs> but um, we really appreciate everything you do. It's just, you know, I love the rest of the series and can't wait for more. And all right. So wait, Mike. Oh. What was your problem with the main OG OG uh, cover? Because it was not that bad. I like I like that was going to be my pick was the OG hard hardback cover. I I don't think there's um, there's almost nothing on it. I don't see any substance but a couple of branches of trees. You know I don't like the face, and so besides the face, I, n- there's nothing else happening on it except for a couple of trees. I just really like the the theme and set. If you look at all of the cover, all of the original hardback covers together, they just like go well together, I think, and how yeah, he picks a, he a, picks a prominent color. Do. Like, what is it? Um, is it 60, 30, 10 for colors? You guys know about that rule? No. no 60 of one color. Six, 60 is like the primary color. 30 is like the, the secondary, and then 10% is like an accent. And if you mm. look in films, TV shows, cartoons everything um in in one frame 
from like a person's shirt will match mm. something in the background and that would make up like the 60 percent. and then like they might have like a red a red tie that could be the 10 and then like the 30 is like the the light color hmm. so like if you look at look at stuff so if you look at those covers they're they're almost like I don't know. They're almost like 60-40 for some of them, but um, mm. I just like how they're abstracted. Uh, Savage Sun's my favorite, I think, just because, probably just because I like that book so much, but I like how the guy is standing. I know you don't like faces on covers, but if you look at them, like, there really aren't full faces for, like, from, like, you know, whatever model they picked to have right. on 60% there, but... of a face. Yeah, so, um, but... Yeah, if you if you guys pay attention next time, especially in uh, The Last of Us for Chris, uh, look look at the colors of certain shots and stuff like that. Sixty, thirty, hmm. and ten for a lot right. of stuff. It's in it's in basically every every form of TV and film. You know, I'm going up a point because of that. I, I mean, the layout and the proportions of the red, white, and blue. Knowing that, with you you educating me, yeah, the cover looks cooler. I don't think the substance is there, but the the general look of it is cooler. I'm going up to it too. <laughs> so yes. what, is, what are the trees have? Is the trees are in all of them? Yeah, in three of the four covers, there are trees. Is that because he goes to Colorado? Is that supposed to be Colorado? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking so. And then the red hewn in the trees, like um. The covers that I've been liking, I mean, I like the OG covers, but I, I do like the paneled ones. I think that they're pretty decent, the paperback um, reissues. Is the red, like, tint of the tree supposed to be, like, the virus that's coming over top? Yeah. And the problem is, is that we had with Lethal Agent, and uh, if you Google that cover, it's pretty cool because, like, they have, like, the map. And then, I don't know if you've ever played that game, Pandemic Inc., um, and like, yes, I have. you know, as um, it slowly goes, like the, the red dots like seep. And so they kind of, um, mimic that on this cover and it sort of bleeds into to various things. And then, oh, there was another one where it had cherry blossoms. Oh, lethal agent covers. Cool, man. Yeah. Like, dude, the cherry yeah. blossoms like turned into the, the infection dots on the map. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah. I just, I wanted something, you know, this whole thing is about a virus. I wanted something. Uh, that had to do with that yeah that was my main point i'm not going i'm not going to go as low as a, a one because i think all because <laughs> you don't are, hate this book with everything you have inside you i do think if if you if you look at the thing that um mike just sent you c and d to me scream erotic thriller for some reason <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I well i like the theme of all the hardbacks like i do like the the that the that the paperbacks are all like the panel the panel work right. that we talked yeah. about before I, I, I do like, like that yeah i like that like they stick with a with a look i like that b series you could replace the devil's like if you look at cover d the it says jack Carr, the devil's hands yeah you could replace the devil's hands with like some nicholas sparks title and i would believe that that, that could be the same cover uh, i agree yeah some of the european releases i think d is the british one maybe I think yeah. some of the European releases are, are a little odd for their cover choices. Um, oh, we know. <laughs> oh, we've been down that path. <laughs> even even down to the font that they choose. Yeah, it's just bad font. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I will have to say that the font on the original, the hardback cover series, is, is a pretty cool font. Yeah. The blocking of it, you know, the block letters. 
Yeah. The, the set, the set that I have right now are all hardbacks. Um, and I have all of mine signed. I had, I took my whole set with me last year when I got to meet Jack. So he signed all my books for me. And then, um, I have the shot through, uh, in the blood. So he took the first page of in the blood, like quite a few copies of them and shot through at a shooting range. And then, you know, they all got put in the books. So mine, my, my, oh, nice. my in the blood, uh, first page has a bullet hole in it that he oh, shot. That's cool. So I took that too. And he, he signed that for me as well. And actually I have like two or three magazines he's on the cover of that nobody has apparently because he says he, he never like signed one at an event. So I, he signed those for me too. So. So you have one of the only signed magazines. I, I guess he I, like he was surprised that I brought them. Uh, one of them was Wheels of Field, which featured him and his Land Cruiser on the front, uh, and then the other one was a ballistic magazine, which he's on the cover of. And then since the show came out, he's him and Chris Pratt are on the cover of another ballistic that I have. So I'll take that. I'll take that this year. Nice. So where are you going to meet him? Uh, so that was, that was another thing I was going to tell you, Chris. Is the closest place he came to us last year was. Uh, cleveland which is a fucking trip for you so yeah if you yeah, want to yeah. go it's going to be a haul might as well just fly for you so have you seen a tour schedule of not any not yet. yet i feel like he does go close to philly though so you just when it comes out we'll have to look does he go to dc at all i don't know i think utah montana texas maybe i can't remember all the stops but there were only like eight stops last year and the one in cleveland i went to was his first year there and he seemed to really like it and the person in charge was very very good and they had a lot of space for everybody and i have some photos from that and like uh mike knows that's my pro my profile pictures me and jack yeah so yeah if you get the opportunity to see him at a book stop it's definitely worth going yeah nice all right so give me the cover ratings and we'll we'll get a, a final score for you guys um i'm thinking my cover rating is going to be, I guess, a four for for A. I mean, I don't dislike it. What do you guys think? I'm going 2.5. <laughs> oh, ooh, I brought you down a little now. Oh, because uh, I was thinking you were a one, Mike, so then I'll go three. I'll go, I'll go one. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> you guys convinced me. You got me up to a two there. You really did. Tie 60-30 uh, theory. I'll go three. All right, let me let me total these up. 35 out of 50 for you, Tyler. So I didn't bring you down all that much. That's a that's a respectable score right yeah. there on the scorecard. Chris, you ring in at a 33 and a half, also respectable. And I am just a not respectable piece of trash with a 29 out of 50. But, that's uh, not bad. Like to be honest. That's be ashamed of yourself. We're trying to be honest here. And, you know, <laughs> I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go way lower, Mike. So, you know. It had the potential to be lower. You guys reminded me of some of the highlights. I think I went up on action one or two points based on what you said. I didn't trash it on buy-in. I went. We all went twos across the board. Yeah, we didn't go down to the one because the scenes I liked, I did like, and then the covers you, you got me up on. So and the settings I really like. So yeah, it's the lowest of the Jack Carr books I think for both of us, Chris, you and I for sure. Some parts are, are done real well, and others get a little jumbled and lost and wasn't quite sure the direction we were going in. All right. So I guess, you know, we kind of already said it, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to put this now that I can complete my list and it goes Savage Sun, True Believer, Terminalist, In the Blood, Devil's Hand for me. Yeah. I'm 
my my lineup is the same order. I guess I'm going a little different. I I'm a sucker for the OG. I'm going with Terminalist, True Believer, Savage Son, In the Blood, Devil's Hand. I've always said Savage Son's my favorite, but the Terminalist had the biggest impact on me. And like mm-hmm. you can't beat that first read of Terminalist. Right. Absolutely. I remember that quite well. I was on a plane when I listened to 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 it for the first time on my way back from Texas and I was just like completely pulled into it. Nice. Well, Ty, we're going to have to have you back. What month is Only the Dead coming out? Is that uh, May? I want to say May. It yeah, May. May. We're going to need to have you back then. Yeah, for sure. Let us know if you read any good thrillers between now and then. Yeah, I will. I'm uh, I'm actually looking at a couple different books right now. I'm finishing up The Accidental Gorilla, and then after this, I want to I want I want to reread the Accidental Superpower, which is a pretty good pretty good book. Cool. The Accidental Superpower is about Russia, and um, but both of them are pretty good so far. Thanks for having nice. me on. I appreciate it as always. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, man. Always a pleasure to see you, Tyler. And um, yeah, can't wait for All of the Dead. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tyler. Always, always a pleasure to have him on the podcast. We need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Piggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. Like we said at the top, go check out our other pods. Um, the Scott Harbath podcast will be posting uh, The Apostle next month. And uh, we'll be active on this pod. We... Um, I don't have the list pulled up, but we're going to be diving into some other novels now that we've finished up Jack Carr. Yeah. And as always, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. <laughs> <laughs>